You're listening to a podcast presented by Providencia West Palm Beach, a church that exists for the flourishing of all people located in the city center of West Palm Beach, Florida. Our hope is to love our city, listen to your story, and practice the grace of God. We hope you enjoy this content. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Our scripture tonight is from Acts uh, 2, 1 through 12. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from the heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, and every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of, them, each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? This is the word of the Lord. Good job, Sarah Claire. Give her up, yeah. Most of the time I ask people who've only gotten their MDivs to read that text, but... um, double portion of prayer for you while you were reading, so amazing. Uh, Good evening, everyone. Uh, My name is Keith Cates. I'm a pastor here at Providencia, and we're so glad you're here tonight. Uh, Fall is in the air. I walked out of my house this morning, and there was like a palm frond on the ground. I was like, man, it's really, temperature's dropping, and uh, some of you guys have even like flannel shirts on tonight, at least two of you. Um, So really feeling it, and uh, it is like a slight, slight drop in the temperature, which is awesome. Um, it's been an uh, incredible uh, busy week around here uh, and a weekend. We had a, a, yesterday a garden uh, day over at Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church. It was really cool to be over there. Some of you guys came out and joined us, and uh, my kids were there. We got up pretty early, and we went to Aeoli at 7 a.m. They open at 7 in the morning on Saturdays, and there was already people outside, and we grabbed some uh, pastries for them and went over and they just had an awesome time. Dr. Davis, who started the community garden there, has her PhD. And she was like teaching my kids and other kids that were there about the whole garden and how it works. And we learned about the worms and how ladybugs are really cool because they eat all the bad insects. And we essentially planted strawberries for like three hours. So it was awesome. And uh, those strawberries are going to go to feed 
uh, they do a feeding on Sunday morning. They feed the homeless in their neighborhood, and um, the, the food actually goes to that. So next time we do it, we do it every fourth uh, Saturday of the month. We won't be doing it the fourth Saturday of November, I don't think, because that's too close to uh, Thanksgiving, and same in December, so it'll be mixed up a little bit. But that will be the ongoing rhythm, and would love to have you come out and join us for that time. It really is a great time uh, to be there and serve together. And then uh, last night, uh, we had the fall festival, and the fall festival was here, and so like the whole parking lot was taken over. Um, I was laying down at that point uh, because I've been sick for over a week now, but I was just out on my couch. But they were having a big party here, and just thanks to everybody who came out for that. Um, some of you guys are probably not too concerned or aware of these things, but this church that we rent from, I'm also the pastor of that church in the morning, and this building is getting some new life breathed into it. Uh, there's new things happening here, and so you may notice there's like a lift outside, um, and right now we're in the middle of a steeple restoration. I knew you really cared about that, uh, but we are restoring the steeple uh, finally. That's amazing, and uh, we have these classrooms for our kids over here that had been kind of in disrepair, and now they're fully repaired, fully functioning, so all those classrooms are going to start opening up again, which is really exciting. Downstairs, when I got here, there was a library when you got down to the bottom of the stairs that was filled with old books that were not books that you would want in your library in particular. Uh, they were dropped off by people in the 1980s, I think. Uh, at that time, they were hot. They were hot items then, but uh, no longer. And there's just like all kinds of, of stuff in there, but we have cleared that out. Miss Pam, where's Pam at? Pam is our interior decorator designer. Can you just raise your hand, Pam? Thank you very much. Yep. Um, and, and just go, like, if, if you think, just go down there and check it out. It's not even fully done yet. But uh, that room is an office for our interns, uh, Dan Keita. You guys have met. You've been seeing Dan more. Um, Dan's going to be down there. And uh, a young woman named Taylor who's getting her MDiv, she'll be down there. And that's also going to be a study center. So it'll be open throughout the week. Uh, those bookshelves are going to be uh, restocked and filled with themes that we talk about here at Providencia. Uh, things like contemplation, things like uh, racial reconciliation, things like faith and work, things like uh, theology and art, uh, counseling. These are things that we are going to be stocking those shelves with. So it's a resource center. We want you to be able to come as you have questions, as you have thoughts, of things you want to study, things that interest you. We would love for you to be there and uh, check out that study center. We also have an elevator here on campus. You may not know that, but there's an elevator. It's been broken, I think, since I came on staff uh, at the morning church in November. And that thing is almost up and running again, which is really exciting. And our irrigation system here at the church is working now. And we have an Eagle Scout that is going to help us re-landscape our property with all native plants, uh, which is really uh, fun and exciting. Um, I mean, you know, you start cleaning stuff up, you start taking care of stuff, and now people are coming to me saying, hey, I have an idea. We want to, let's, let's install lighting at nighttime so that we can uplight the trees and the building. And I was like, let's go. But one of the things that I'm most excited about is the room right behind us. Uh, we've painted it, we've put plants in there, we've had receptions and partings and different things in here, but we want that place to be a fully functioning space for concerts and film premieres. And what we have done so much as a church, Providencia, is that we have been out in our city, especially pre-COVID, 
we were out in our city, and if you walked into the mayor's office or DDA, uh, after our first two years of existing as a church, and you said, what church is the most invested in the city of West Palm Beach? And they would say Providencia. Uh, because we were in the city all the time. There's only like 30, 40 of us at the time, but we were out in the city all the time, engaged with people. And that was very challenging during COVID, but now on the backside of it, we're getting back out. But also, we now have a space that we can leverage, that we can serve the city with. And this room is one of those spaces. So some of you might be connected with 1909. I've heard of 1909, but um, they do a thing called Creative Mornings. Has anybody been to Creative Mornings before? Yep, some of you have been there. Uh, Creative Mornings has about 200, 300 people, but they're looking for spaces. This, we hope, is going to be a space that they use uh, for artists here in our city. These are the kinds of things that we want to see happening here. Uh, we have an incredible parking lot out here that we can do food truck events in. Uh, we want to start leveraging this space for the sake of the city. So if you have ideas, if you have dreams along those lines, uh, things that resonate with you in that space, please bring them to us. Uh, one of the things we love to see is you all start having dreams that begin to start manifesting and coming alive. Yeah, I said it, manifesting. Uh, coming alive here in this space. We would love, love uh, to see that. We also had a busy month. Uh, we had a youth and family vision night here a couple weeks ago, and it was packed upstairs, and we were casting vision for the new year because one of the things that we're going to do in the new year is that we're going to invite everybody to come here on Wednesday nights. In fact, we're going to invite you to come here with the church that meets in the morning, and we're going to have a chef, a cook, who's going to be preparing a meal 6 p.m., the doors will open, uh, the meal will be served, and we'll probably have seating upstairs and downstairs just based on the numbers. It will probably have to have seating in both spaces. And then we're going to be offering an array of different things here at night. Uh, there will be things for entrepreneurs. There will be things for artists. There will be things for kids, things for parents. Uh, there will be multiple things happening here on Wednesday nights. So we would love for you to start making that a priority as you look to the new year, as you look to January. Uh, we already have things planned, some concerts that are going to be really cool, um, and it's just really exciting. This um, coming Sunday, we have uh, 10 tickets to the symphony that are free. I think most of them have been taken at this point, but if you're interested, see Emily uh, Blaylock. Emily's in the back back there. Um, those were given to us. And people give these kinds of things to us sometimes. So anyway, lots of fun things happening, a lot of new things coming, and we're building something new here. It's beautiful to see the things that are happening and the things that we're building here, um, especially as we talk about this theme that we're in all fall called living stones. It's the term that Peter gave to those who are followers of Jesus, said that you are like living stones being built into a spiritual house. And that we are this spiritual house. We are this, these living stones being built together. And, and at the foundation, we find the cornerstone, right? We find Christ. And one of the things that, that we've been using to really help us understand our foundation is the Apostles' Creed. And uh, Drew, of course, read that earlier in that line, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I, I did grow up a Presbyterian, once I became a Christian around 14, I started going to a Presbyterian church, and I heard about the Holy Spirit, um, and I uh, talked about the Holy Spirit, and I read about the Holy Spirit. But I had some friends who went to other churches, right? So I started getting connected with other people who were Christians, 
And they talked about the Holy Spirit in a different way than I did. They made a lot more emphasis about the Holy Spirit than I did. Well, in the summer of 1995, when I graduated high school, 1995, I got to go work in the summer at summer camps that I had grown up in. And a bunch of my friends and some other people from around the country, we all gathered together in Bristol, Tennessee at King College. Our first meeting, we were sitting down, there was like 12 of us. And one of the guys there, I could tell he came from a different Holy Spirit background than I did. And the way I could tell was that when he would talk to people, he, especially when we were getting ready for worship, he was a lot more breathy. Do you know what I mean? He was like, and now, as we sing this song, you know how Danny does a lot of times, right? Because now, as we sing this song together, and it was like, I knew, I knew I was getting ready for it, right? And this guy led us in worship all summer, and it was really cool, and he talked about the Holy Spirit and miracles and all this kind of stuff. And, and then after the summer was over, I decided to go up and visit him. So I went up to Montreat, North Carolina, where he was. I drove up in my pickup truck, and I went to his house, and in his driveway was his VW bus, his like 1960 VW bus. And it was painted with a big ichthus on the side of it and rainbows and all these Bible verses everywhere, right? It was not the car I would drive, but it was his car, right, that he was driving. So I got in his car, we said hi, I got in his car and we started going for a ride and I was trying to make small talk because I just got there and I was like, so uh, John, how, how many miles to the gallon does this thing get? And John said, man, I have no idea. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I've never put gas in it. I was like, all right. He's like, it runs off the Holy Spirit. And for 30 seconds, I was sitting there going, no effing way. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have become a Presbyterian. I knew that I was missing out, that there was something wrong with my denomination, that we were missing out on the real fruits of the Holy Spirit, and that there was people who actually saw like miracles happening all the time, and John was one of them. And if I just was a little more connected to the Holy Spirit, then I wouldn't have to pay for gas. How beneficial that would be today. Um, but as we read our text today, as we read the Apostles' Creed, it's talking to us about this Holy Spirit. And maybe you felt like you've missed out or, you know, you just don't get it. What is the Holy Spirit all about? What is this thing? But when uh, Luke records for us in the book of Acts this day that we call uh, Pentecost, as we start to read it, we are taken back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1 there where the Spirit is hovering over the waters. You remember that imagery maybe? you never read Genesis before, that's the imagery. That there's this spirit hovering over the waters. And it's like there's this blank canvas and this spirit is going to bring life. That God, as he speaks, as his breath comes out, that he is going to create new life. And he's going to create this world that is teeming with life. And color, and sounds, and flavors, and weather, and so much life. And we're taken back uh, as Luke reads this because he talks about the Spirit. He says, it sound like the blowing of a violent wind. 
Spirit is coming. It's like, like a hurricane, if you can imagine. The power of a hurricane. But instead of bringing destruction, it's going to bring recreation. It's going to bring transformation. Imagine harnessing the power of a hurricane and that it actually would be used for that purpose, for restoration and transformation. And then it goes on in verse 3. In the same way, it looked like fire came into the room. You know, if you brought fire into a room, it'd be like, ah, scary, right? Because that's like fire, it's going to be destructive. It's going to burn the place down. But fire comes into the room. And so we're in the first section, the spirit is there. I'm taking back to Genesis chapter 1, and this idea of creation, and the world is getting ready to be recreated again. Now I'm taking back to Moses. Moses, when he goes out into the desert, he's fleeing, and there's this burning bush, this bush that looks like it's on fire. This powerful thing, fire drawing him in and calling him and empowering him to go and stand before Pharaoh. Yes, you, Moses. Because Moses doesn't want to do it, but you, Moses, you are the one. You're my voice. Go and speak before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. That there's an empowerment happening in this room through the power of this fire that is coming on the lives of the people, that is going to be used for liberation, liberation of nations, of people across the world. As I mentioned, the uh, Parents' Night, uh, Vision Family Youth Night, I spoke at that, and I talked about uh, moving as parents from putting uh, pressure, external pressure on our kids to perform. That, that's how, you know, most of us are taught. We put pressure on our kids. You know, you got to get good grades. Why do I have to get good grades? So you can go to college. Why do I have to go to college? So you can get a job. Why do I have to get a job? So you can live, right? You can do, like, it's like this thing. You put this pressure on our kids. And it's really driven a lot of times by fear. But that if we can move from putting pressure and fear on our kids Move them into this invitation of being inspired by learning to breathe. You know, as you go back to Genesis, uh, uh, in the beginning there, when God breathes into Adam, that's where we get our word for inspiration, that God breathes life into Adam. And that we would be a people, that we would be parents, that we would be friends, that we would be siblings, that we would be uh, sons and daughters and grandparents, that we would be ones to learn breathe, to breathe with God, to be, breathe with each other, to be connected to our breath, to the breath of God, that we could move into living out of inspiration instead of fear and pressure. And I ask them to do a, a little inventory, and, and I just ask you to do the same right now, is where do you feel pressure in your life? Maybe you feel Financial pressure. Maybe you feel familial pressure or relational pressure. Uh, maybe you feel uh, pressure uh, with your housing situation. I don't know where you feel pressure and where that fear is, but if you could bring that out into the light, bring it out into light so it can breathe, so you don't have to carry it in secrecy, that you can share it with somebody, that they could breathe with you. Because this is not about a race to the top. This is an invitation that God has given us to breathe, to be grounded again.
and that in breathing together, we can build together. We can build something beautiful. I want to show you just for a second if we can bring it up. Uh, this is the Welsh National Anthem. They sing it. This is being sung at the rugby match. If we can get sound. I don't know if that's possible. Here we go. keeps going, but you can't, you can't really see it in the video, but the, the man is uh, crying a tear down the side of his cheek. And as the video goes on, uh, you begin to see little kids singing just like at the top of their voice. And you see uh, people from all ages uh, singing this song. The whole crowd is just singing, getting so passionate about this song. And it's their national anthem. Uh, and the song is, is about their resilience as a people. And it's telling the story of, of the trials and the things that they faced. But as you get to the end of the song, it says, we are still standing, the Welsh people. And our language is going to live on to the end of time. That these people have found this song that would make not just the man singing it weep, but it would make young people sing it with such passion. It would make people uh, in their 20s sing it with tears in their eyes. There would be people like me uh, singing with their arms around their friends. Do we have a song like that? Do we have a song like that that we sing together? You know, that's, that's their uh, national anthem. But one of the things we, as the church, are invited into as, as Christians is that we are to experience this type of unity, this type of, of connection, this type of oneness with the body of Christ around the world. And I wonder what our song is. I wonder if we have found our song that we sing together, that we together, that our little kids are standing there singing with all their hearts. That you, at whatever age you are, are there singing with all your heart. And the joy and the life of being united. That we are, I believe, still looking for that song. Looking for that hymn. You know, Bono, uh, the lead singer of U2, uh, he said that uh, the Edge, you know, he grew up in Wales and he would go to uh, Welsh rugby games. And throughout the rugby games, they sing songs like this. And they would sing hymns uh, like Bread of Life and different hymns. They'd just be singing these hymns together as a people. And Bono said that part of our uh, goal as a band, and, and Bono is a Christian, you know, he, he's very outspoken about that. He said, we wanted to sing songs, anthems and hymns that the world could sing with us. 
that they could join in the songs with us and sing them with us. And I wonder if we have found our song yet, that we can invite the world to sing with us, that we can invite the city of West Palm Beach to sing with us. See, it says the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. The people were amazed. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our tongues. God's wonders being declared in our own language, in our culture. God speaking through language to the culture, healing the culture, opening up people's hearts. Opening up people's lives. You know, they, they say that at age 33, that once you get to age 33, that you don't listen to new music. Some of you have crossed that threshold. You're getting old. But it says you get frozen in your music. But at Pentecost, I want you to know that if there was anybody there that was over 33... That what happened at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came with the fire and the wind, that it opened people up over the age of 33 to begin listening to new music and new sounds and new songs. And the songs they began to hear were songs full of three things, I would say to you. They were songs full of generosity. They were songs full of hospitality, and they were songs full of curiosity. Songs inviting people into amazement and wonder. That these were songs that people began to hear maybe for the first time in their life. And I'm thankful for Danny and Emily and all the musicians here in our church that are working, that are creating the poets and the writers to give us a new song, that we'd be open in our hearts to what it is that God might be wanting to sing through us as a church, to our own body, but also to our city and to our world. Um, the city of New Orleans hosts a jazz festival every year. It's the number one jazz festival in the world and people flock there from all over. Uh, some of my favorite musicians um, perform there. It's an incredible scene, incredible uh, uh, weeks of music. And uh, there's a, a documentary about the, the jazz festival, the New Orleans Jazz Festival. And at some point during that documentary, they talk about the difference uh, between, one person in particular talks about the difference between music and New Orleans and music in Nashville. Now, maybe this was the case back in the day in Nashville. You know, that's my people. I'm from that area up there, the mountains, you know, that mountain music, that bluegrass and such right up there. Uh, there maybe was a day back then when the Grand Ole Opry had our music and it had the culture and it had everything else. But over time, uh, Nashville has become music business. It's become commercial and people go there. We've lost people there, you know, from our church and stuff. Move there. And that's great to pursue music. It's trying to get ahead in music. But it's very different than New Orleans today. 
See, if you grow up in the city of New Orleans and you're a kid there growing up, you learn to play a musical instrument whether you want to or not. It's like learning how to eat. You have to learn how to play a musical instrument. Why? Because music is a part of everything you do. If you go to grandma's house, you're going to hear music there. If you go to the park for a celebration, there's going to be music there. If you go to your downtown street, no matter what time of the day it is, guess what's happening on every street corner? There's music. People are making music there. Music is a part of the culture. It's a part of their people. And it's not just music. They got music, but they got other things to go along with that music, right? They have food. And they have some of the best food you will ever eat in your life. It's amazing. So you got the food and you got the music, but then you got something else, right? Because after you eat all that food, you got to, you know, burn some calories, a little bit anyway. And they got dancing. They got dancing that goes along with the music and the food. And it's this culture. And it's all built into it. And no matter how successful you become, it doesn't really matter. You're a part of our city. You're a part of making the music. You're a part of making what New Orleans is. And people come because of the music. And people come because of the food. And people come because of the dance, because of how rich the culture is. People come there. Musicians don't come to New Orleans to make money. They come to New Orleans to make music. It's beautiful. And as God invites us as a people, he invites us to come together as a people that we would make music, that we as a people would make food, that we as a people would make dance, that we as a people would make life, that we would be offering a song to our city. That we would be offering food to our city. That we would be offering dance to our city. That people would say about our church. Have you heard the music over there? Have you you tasted the food over there? Have you danced over there? Especially at the receptions. Have you been to a reception over there? Have you danced with those people? There's something different over there. There's some type of generosity over there, some type of hospitality over there, some type of curiosity over there. When you're there, you feel it. It's tangible. You won't forget it. In verse 12, he goes on to say that the people were amazed and perplexed. And they asked this question, what does this mean? What does this mean? That God would inspire us with his breath, with his spirit. Together, to come together, to be empowered. To sing a song over our city. To sing a song over us that would bring us together. That would heal us. And I would invite you to take that question with you tonight. That I'm not ending the sermon tonight with a, this is what it means. But that you would let that question open you up to say, what are the possibilities? What is it that God could possibly be doing through our church for the sake of the people here, but also for the sake of our city?
what is the new song that we will be singing in the days and weeks to come, in the months and years? What is the gift that we will continue to give to each other and to our city? Let us pray. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The work we do is made possible by your partnership and generosity. If you enjoyed the content and would like to support our work, please visit ProvidenciaWPB.org and click on the Give link. The music you hear in the beginning and end of our show was written, produced, and recorded by our music collective, Paradise Hymns. Find their original songs wherever you stream music. Thanks again, and have a blessed day.